Someone asked me if we were wrapping up this series this morning. And I want to say um, we're going to have our last Advent sermon this morning, and I pray that it spurs us on. And so um, more and more and more we will reflect on this good king. And today we're going to look on when our king returns. As you know, we've this Advent series we've been looking at um, when Christ comes again. And when he comes and gets rid of all that's evil, and he gets rid and passes judgment on Satan and his workers, when he, Jesus, is fully exalted, and when we see his glory, and when we experience him ushering in his peace. And so these will be prophecies that are fulfilled when Jesus returns. And this morning we're going to look at Revelation 21, 1 through 5, 9 through 11, 22 to 27. And then we're going to keep on reading into Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. And so um, you've been reading along in scriptures, and many of you have said how much you've appreciated being able to read these scriptures in advance. And so, um, again, be encouraged to stay in the word because it is rich. And every time we're in his word, he keeps revealing himself more and more to us. And so here we hear about Jesus' return and a new heaven and a new earth. So Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Verse 9, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings on the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it, 
Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. This is the ushering in of God's shalom. Revelation, a prophecy of fulfillment of shalom. What does shalom mean? It means peace, and it's translated peace, and with that in our English language, it falls a little short. Peace, peace of mind, it's much, much more rich than that. Shalom is complete well-being. It's physical well-being, psychological well-being, social well-being, spiritual well-being. It flows from all of one's relationships being put right with God, within ourselves, and with others. When I thought about shalom and ushering in shalom, I remembered a little excerpt from a book that Neil Plantica wrote. Um, The book is called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. And he described shalom. What does it look like when all is set right and the way it should be? And he imagined that these... um, what did he call them again? Intercontinental ballistic missile silos. That they would be converted to scuba diving training tanks when all is set right. When all is set right, people cheer on their coworkers and are grateful and thankful and excited for their promotions. He imagined that when Shalom enters the city, that the inner city drivers are all incredibly patient (laughs) and peaceful and gracious. No, after you. You go ahead. This, no, just go right on. Move on in. He imagined that the news reporters, and in that day when he wrote this, he was talking about printed news, would be so full of good news and so well-written that everyone would read the news and they would sit on their porches for hours and just talk about all the good that was happening in the world and they would be so encouraged that they want to call everyone and share the news that they had read that day. Oh, the way things could have and should have been. And it sounds so good, except that the fall. When sin entered the world, it 
disrupted shalom. It disrupted peace. It disrupted all of our relationships. And so when humanity sinned against God, this is what the Lord said in Genesis 3. He said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, difficulty between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And to the woman, he said, I'll make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor. You will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Do you hear the enemy? Do you hear the disconnect in relationship, the consequences of sin? To Adam, he says, because you've listened to your wife and eaten the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you will return. When sin entered, it disrupted the peaceful wonder of the garden. And humanity has suffered the consequences ever since. And praise be to God that that's not the end of the story. Friends, we are forever loved. This God who created us made a plan and intended to bring back a way. He would send a Messiah and a new creation. And all the prophets started to receive messages about this Messiah who was coming that would redeem the world, that would reverse the curse. God would restore shalom. And I want to talk to you this morning about a few pictures, a few messages that came to Old Testament prophets that gave pictures of this new creation reality when the curse would be reversed. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, says this, The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. When the Lord starts to reverse the curse, all of a sudden things that we thought were just nature, we recognize and understand better what Romans, in Romans 8, it teaches us that creation has been subjected to frustration and that they're eagerly awaiting liberation. The whole creation has been groaning. Have you ever thought about why is it a dog-eat-dog world? Why is there a food chain? Sin entered the world, and he starts to give this picture of a new creation. Isaiah 55, another picture, how did it affect plants? How did sin affect plants, and how does God want to reverse that? 
Isaiah 55, 12 and 13, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Remember, part of the curse was there were going to be thistles and thorns. And what do we see when the new creation is juniper, something that smells so good, stays green, has these beautiful little blueberries, and myrtle, glossy green leaves, beautiful little purple flowers, and just a little bit of it. It costs a fortune to go get some of that ground cover at the nursery, but you get a little going, and pretty soon it just fills in the whole place. It's beautiful. He's going to reverse the curse, and it's going to create, it's going to change the plant life. Ezekiel 47, another prophet, gets this image of um, how that the river is going to flow from the temple and bring healing and life. And so listen to these excerpts from Ezekiel, another Old Testament prophet from Ezekiel 47. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. That would be where the presence of the Lord is. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. How many of you know of a tree? that bears fruit every month. We just are thinking in a yearly cycle. Think about what happens when the Lord reverses the curse. Every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary, the presence of God, flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. A picture of a new creation. And then the prophet Isaiah too, he gets a picture of shalom where not only is creation being changed with nature, with animals and plants, but that the relationship with people starts to be restored. And Isaiah 2 predicts a time where there will be no more war. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and settle disputes for many people. How many know we need him to settle disputes? They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. An AK-7 turns into a post hole digger. A handgun turns into a graffiti shooter. I don't know. But, you know, like these, these tools of weaponry against other people are no longer needed. There was an artist, and he painted this picture after the Civil War. His name was Winslow Homer. And the title of it is The Veteran in a new field. He painted this in 1865. You see, he had gone out 
and followed the war and had created pictures throughout the Civil War for Harper's Magazine. It was a weekly magazine at that time. And after the war, he wanted to paint a painting. Rather than preach this passage from Isaiah 2, he wanted to represent it visually. And so he makes his statement by painting this picture of someone who's cast off their army gear, and it's off kind of to the... Um, the bottom right over there, the screen doesn't do it justice, but he's cast off that army coat, and he's out there with a tool harvesting wheat. You see, the fields were where the soldiers had um, plowed down and killed so many people, and he wanted a new picture of what a field was for. It was for the harvesting of wheat. Well, some of us might look at that and think, oh, well, that's still under the curse because he's still working hard. He's probably baking a sweat, you know. We think about going out in the field and breaking a sweat. But then we notice that this wheat isn't at waist high. It's really head high. And can we imagine that he's out there and he just has to harvest a little bit and he has plenty for himself and so much more to share. This was one artist's picture of a new creation, not being under the curse anymore, no more weapons, no more war, and joyful labor. This picture carries on in a New Testament prophet. John sees a vision again where there's restored relationship among people from Revelation 21, 26 and 27. Let's read this out loud together. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. On no day will their gates be shut. Think about that. There's nothing to fear. There's no more enemy. We don't have to shut the gates for protection. We don't have to fear one another. And the nations together are coming in to bring glory to the Lord. They've got glory that's been given to them, and they're bringing glory to the Lord. Every nation, every people group is important to God. He's going to save from each nation and each tribe and each tongue. Nothing impure will ever enter it again. We don't have to worry about our safety. We don't have to ever be again, be worried about um, seeing another picture of terrorism. There's no frisk down. There's no checking. There's no security checkpoint because the Lord has judged everything that could ever be a potential threat. Isn't it good news? Isn't it good news that God's government never shuts down? Isn't it good news that there needs to be no more wall because everybody that's going to come in is good and we all together look at the one who is truly good and we look at our righteousness because of his righteousness. Friends, this is what happens when our king returns. This is what we have to look forward to. Ezekiel saw a picture of Revelation. John sees a picture, a picture of Revelation. No, Ezekiel saw a picture of a river. 
And in Revelation, John sees a picture of a river. And this is what John saw. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal. How many of you love a clear stream? Like, they're so rare these days, right? Like, we talk about it when we finally see one that we think is potentially beautifully clear. This is clear as crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. It's confirmed by two witnesses, an Old Testament and a New Testament. This is going to be the way it is. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful because it's going to be the stream, the river of life, flowing from Jesus himself out through this area, and everything around it flourishes. Everything, everything flourishes. Everything is beautiful. Everything has full life, complete well-being, complete wholeness, healing. The trees of the leaves, healing, healing, completely healing our relationship with God, our relationship within ourselves, our relationship with others. Oh, how I long for this. Oh, how we long for this. Reigning with him. Our will is going to be so fully his will that that's how we participate in the rule and the reign of God. We'll never again feel conflicted. We'll totally and completely want what he wants because what he wants is good. And we finally see this because it's beautiful. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They'll see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Right? He, his presence. Pastor Dave talked about the people. and There's a place and there's presence. The presence of God, he's right there. He's accessible, immediately accessible. He's so intimate, Lori. I'm face-to-face with you. We're going to be face-to-face with Jesus. We're going to be face-to-face with the one who loves us and gave his life for us. There will no longer be any curse. In Genesis, the curse was announced. In Revelation, when the new city comes, it's reversed. Death entered history through sin. In Revelation, there is no more death. Man was driven from the tree of life and pushed out of the garden because of the consequences of sin, and rightfully so. Amazingly, mercifully, we find ourselves back by the tree of life forever and ever and ever in Revelation. And sorrow and pain that began when sin entered the world in Genesis, we see in the picture of the new creation when Jesus returns, no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain. And I've sat and I've thought and I've wondered for hours and I want to invite you to sit and reflect on this and wonder for hours. The song, I can only imagine what this day will be like. This morning I listened to it. I pulled it up. I listened to it, but every artist 
that I could find on YouTube. I listened to all the different, I listened to a man's voice. I listened to a woman's voice. I listened to different cultures singing it. I listened to groups singing it. And I try to imagine, what is it like, friends, when our Jesus, our King returns? What is it like that he himself is going to wipe away personally every tear? It doesn't just say the tears dry up, which would be wonderful in and of itself, but that he comes and wipes away the tears. He comes that close. He's making all things new. Revelation 21, 3 through 5. Look, God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. And he says, I'm making everything new. When our king returns and when he makes everything new, the land is healed. The plants are healed. The animals are healed. There are no more, we don't read any more stories of the plastic in the ocean hurting the wildlife. We don't hear any more oil spills and happen to try to clean up the birds and their feathers. I thought about this. There's no more toothaches. There's no more tooth decay. There's no more arthritis. There's no more backaches. There's no more cancer. Our bodies will work perfectly. There will never be another lonely Christmas. There'll never be another strained family relationship or reunion. I don't think we'll ever have another bad day. We're never going to have our final exam and be humiliated because we couldn't remember the thing that we had studied all week long. We're never going to show up at Aldi's and not have enough money to pay and have to ask him to start taking things back off of the cart again and be embarrassed because somebody else, if we didn't have it, they would share it. Like, think about this. In the new creation, what it's going to be like. There's never going to be months on end of dark gray days. There's never going to be another dark night of the soul. We're never again going to have jealousy or competitiveness. We're going to be like last Sunday night when Sarah was doing her liturgical dance and Lydia was up here jumping up and down and clapping in joy for this sister who had a gift to share This is what it's going to be like. There's not going to be any more self-consciousness. We're not ever going to go to another funeral or cemetery. We're never going to hear another heartbreaking story. Our loved ones are never going to suffer with depression or anxiety or you fill in the blank, whatever it is. We're never going to have to listen to another prayer of lament. Think about Hazel's prayers. And I think we're never going to hear another mother crying in her prayers, but we're going to hear thanksgiving and praise, songs of praise, prayers of praise. We're going to be enjoying all of our, all. everyone there is going to be joyful and everyone's going to be kind. And we're not going to have to fear being alone and our insecurities are going to be gone. 
We're never going to have to fear losing our home or getting pushed out of the city. We're never going to have to worry about the safety of our children, about them being abducted or abused again. We'll have the full supply and resources of everything that we ever need together as one community. We'll never again have another war. We'll never have to flee a country or seek political asylum. There will be no refugee camps. Friends, I've been thinking about this. And I invite you to think about what it means when our king returns and when he ushers in the new kingdom. It is amazing. We're never going to hear another tsunami and loss of life again. We're never going to wake up to more bad news. We're going to wake up to good news. We're never going to see another hashtag me too. Jesus himself will come near and he'll tenderly wipe our tears away, as I've mentioned before, and that really impresses me because I've cried plenty of tears and I cry them now as a pastor and you cry them because you care about your neighbors and think about this. We've got something good to tell them that there is a different way to live and he's our king and he's going to usher this in. Our bodies are going to flourish. Everything we eat is not going to be destructive. We're not going to have to worry about trying to find out organic stuff anymore, right? Like, think about this. There's no more pesticides. There's no need for that. There's nothing that's going to cause any difficulty. (sighs) Think about this. And that's just before I start thinking about the lamb on the throne. And I think about the one who sits with the impressions in his hands yet from laying down his life for us. And we, all of our wonderings become knowings. And everything that we've desired is fulfilled completely and we recognize him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the intimate loving God, the Father who's always loved us, the Holy Spirit who's wooed us. Jesus is the King and he's the one that guarantees our preferred future for all who believe in him. Incarnation to the new creation. Today we celebrate Christmas the day of our king humbling himself and stepping into our misery to start this removing of the curse and bringing his kingdom near. And as surely as the prophets prophesied that this baby would be born, and he was, and remember the whole calendar before Christ and after, like it's changed the world's history. He's coming again. He's going to usher in his kingdom in its fullness. He's going to bring shalom and set all things right. It's been declared and it's true. Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. There will be no end to his peace, his shalom, 
And this, my friends, is our hope and our joy. And this is our message that we embody and we proclaim, let the earth receive her king. Let's pray. Lord, let us reflect deeply. And would you more and more and more give us the mind of Christ to understand what it means that your name, that we belong to you, is written on our foreheads and that this is our inheritance. Lord, let us live into this hope of our inheritance and the joy of who we are in you. And Lord, let that joy and this story of the hope of your kingdom be what's in our minds and on our mouths and propelling our actions every day until you return. We pray this in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, amen. Amen.